Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Wonderful to see you this evening. We say hello to those that are here present in the sanctuary. We want to say hello to those watching via the live stream. This is Birth and Family Church. And uh, tonight we're having School of the Bible. And our subject matter is going to continue from last week. We're training on prayer room counselors. And so we've been ministering on that. And so we invite you to go ahead and get your your notebooks open you should be creating a notebook with the notes from this class if there's anyone out there and you would like the notes to the class that's just simply email us that's the best way to get a hold of us that email address is bfc3982 at gmail.com just say hey i want the notes from the the prayer room class and we'll sure get them to you we'll respond with a word document and you can have it in fact any service that you want from BFC we'd love to get it into your hands I don't mind sharing the notes from our classes and so anytime you hear something you go way I want those scriptures or blah 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 whatever it might be just contact us through that email and you can get it ASAP as they say all right good evening class how are you doing tonight you're only getting two pages to accompany what you've already received. So you're, you're adding to your notebook all the way to, I believe it's page seven. So you should already have all the way through page five, I believe, and then you're adding two more pages and that's what we're going to dive into tonight. So let's go ahead and solicit the Lord's help. I know I need help. And uh, whether you know it or not, you need help. Because we have to believe for ears to hear. Hallelujah. Jesus made that statement. He says, those that have ears to hear, let them hear. That's telling me that even though people may be hearing the word with their natural outer ears, not all the time is they getting down into their spirit. And so those are the ears that we want to open, the ears of our heart. So let's go ahead and believe God. Let's trust him. Father in heaven. We account and do believe that the Word of God is valuable, that it's precious, that it's you speaking to us right now in real time where we are here on this earth. And we thank you that these words are truth. We thank you that these words are eternal. And we thank you that your words illuminate our path. Now, Holy Spirit, we're asking each one of us we're asking that you would give us ears to hear that you'd give our spirit wisdom and revelation by the Holy Spirit we ask that the eyes of our inner man the eyes of our spirit would be enlightened that each one of us can see that which the Holy Spirit is desiring to impart to us tonight we thank you for it right now in Jesus name amen I also believe that I have utterance tonight 
and that he's opening a door for us to speak boldly. Amen. So we ended uh, last week. I just want to do a short review without going over too much. But we were down, I wanted the, the review to begin down at the bottom of page two. We were talking about five areas to develop confidence and effectiveness as a prayer room counselor. And then down below that, at the bottom of page two, you see number two, personal prayer. And so there are five areas that we were discussing. And so those five areas are personal edification, praying, uh, praying with the personal spiritual revelation and praying for those that we're ministering to. So that's where we ended up. And so we're going to continue tonight talking about these five areas to develop us because each one of us are, are called to minister to other believers. That's what we call body ministry. And to, we've been religiously brainwashed for centuries that the Word of God can only be handled by let, I, let me say, uh, paid professionals. Yeah. And they're the guys that wear the fancy clothes and the fancy hats. And that was never the intention of Jesus. He, he let everyone hear the word of God. He didn't just, you know, speak to just those that were going to be in places of public ministry. And so every one of us needs to learn how to minister to other believers I was thinking about this in preparation of tonight's class, that once Mary Ann <clears throat> and I were saved and received Christ as our Savior, neither one of us had a call to ministry. We were, we were just disciples. We were just following, when, when I say just, <laughs> that's really what we were doing. We were, we were following Jesus. We were disciples. And within two years, on our own, we learned from Scripture how to lead someone to Christ. Every believer needs to know how to get someone saved. Amen. Number two, we learned how to give people an assurance of salvation. Again, this was all on our own personal study. Not any formal classes. We just had a desire to follow Jesus. We learned how to fill people with the Holy Spirit. I remember in one weekend, we got 18 people filled with the Holy Spirit. And... <laughs> And that was without any formal training. We learned how to minister to the sick. And so every one of us, as a disciple, a follower of Jesus, we need to learn how to do this. This class will help you to be able to do exactly that. So let's get up. Uh, let's fire up the old pen and paper. Let's get started. So now we're looking at the fourth ingredient to developing ourselves, qualifying ourselves for ministering to an individual after an altar call. And so number four is that we need to pray for those that we've already ministered to. Remember, we've already prayed for those we're going to minister to. That's what's so wonderful about the Holy Spirit. He can instruct us and, and, and by the Holy Spirit allow us to pray for a person that we may not even know yet, that we haven't met yet, that will give us the ability to prepare them for counseling and an encounter with God. 
But now, after we've ministered to them, after you shook their hand and you, you finished your time with them in that setting, later on, you need to pray for them. Amen. Now remember, Amen. many, if not all, of these candidates that you're going to minister to, the trajectory, the direction that their life is, is going to go in is completely different than it was a day ago. This is where they need the help. This is where they need the attention. It's, it's, it's kind of like the birth of a child. The, the hospital will help you in birthing that child. Well, after they hand that child over to you and you leave to go home, you don't leave that baby out on the sidewalk and go home. You don't leave that baby unattended because it can't care for itself. And so is it true with these people that we have ministered to after an altar call and you're helping them in that decision that they've made, technically speaking, they're babies. And they need attention. And so we'll get to this in the next step, but follow-up is essential. A part of follow-up is praying for them. Because now they're a target. They weren't a target before they came in and refreshed their relationship with the Lord or initiated that relationship with the Lord or believed that they received their healing. They're now a target because the Word of God has been ministered to them and the account that gave, Jesus gave us with the sower sows the Word, it says that the devil comes immediately to steal the Word. And we need to be mindful of that. And so we have to be there to support them. Prayer is one way that we do that. So number four, you need to pray for those that you have already ministered to. Number one, pray the word over them. Pray the word over them. And we like to go to the Ephesians prayers. The, the most powerful way that you, can, you and I can pray for someone is praying a prayer that's already anointed. It's already empowered with the will of God to help them make right decisions. Amen. So go over to the Ephesians prayer in, in Ephesians 1.17. Go over to the Ephesians prayer in 3.14 and pray that over them. Insert their name in there. Make sure that when you come home from that initial time with them after they make a step towards Christ, that you have their name, you have their phone number, you have a way to contact them. You can pray for them, you know, oh Lord, I'm praying for the guy that responded to that. No, you need to know their name. <laughs> De begin developing a relationship with them and pray for them with their name and surround them with the word through your prayers. Amen? Number two, you need to pray in the Holy Ghost for them. Hallelujah. There in the notes, you've got Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And this is why the, the devil fights speaking with other tongues so much is because we are so empowered when we allow the Holy Spirit to put words in our mouth. 
You can't pray a more perfect prayer than to allow the Holy Spirit to give you words to speak out. And as you're speaking out, you're creating with the words that you're speaking from him. Look at this, verse 826 says, In the same way, the Spirit, and this is the Holy Spirit, he joins to help us in our weakness. Now, this is talking about praying for someone. The weakness that we have is not knowing exactly how to pray for them. Now, you know how to pray for yourself because you know what needs fixed. And you probably know how, uh, what you did to get you in that place where you need fixing. Amen. Amen. And so you can just pray the word for yourself because you have a knowledge of what you need and you just go to those scriptures that gives you that promise and that provision that Jesus has already provided and you can apply it by faith and you got it. But when you start praying for others, and I don't care how well you know them, we don't always know how to pray for them. Yeah, we know what the symptoms are because we're going by what we can see, but we don't know what the root is. That's, where, that's really where prayer needs to be made for individuals, is at the root. Because if you're just going to pray for the symptoms, then all you're doing is, is temporarily putting out a fire that's going to reignite. That's all we're doing. And we have people running us around like crazy in the church. This is happening, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. And all we're doing is putting out fires. And then every once in a while, here they are again. They got another fire. We can get them to put out the cause of what's creating the fires. And truth be told, you and I don't know what that is for someone else. We're sharp, but we ain't that sharp. Amen, right? So here in this prayer, we're praying about things that we don't know to pray for. Because you don't know how to pray as you should. King James says you don't know how to pray as you ought. So he helps that infirmity by the Spirit himself interceding with us. Now, most translation says for us, and really... That's not accurate. The Holy Spirit will never do anything independent of you. You know, one person said, well, I found out in Romans that the Holy Spirit prays for me. I don't have to pray anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you misread that. <laughs> Remember, he gives us the words to speak. And if we're not yielding to him and giving voice to those words then he's not praying. Amen. He's dormant. So the Holy Spirit makes intercession with us with unspoken groanings, or the, as the King James says, words that can't be spoken or articulated. Hallelujah. And then as you go, let's just look at the rest of that verse. Let me get out the handy-dandy specs and go over to Romans 8. Apparently, I needed to put that in your notes, but did not. See, I didn't know how to write as I ought. Let's go on over to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read the verses below verse 26. 
Yeah. We're going to connect it to two more verses. All right, I'm here in Romans 8, 26. It says that the Spirit himself, halfway through that verse 26, he makes intercessions with us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And let me just throw in a side thought right there. Praying with the help of the Holy Spirit is not always praying words that you don't understand. Sometimes it's sounds. Sometimes it's groanings. Amen? It's just like if you try and listen to the whales, you know, they got this, they're not speaking words, but they're communicating. And there are times that the Holy Spirit will give sounds that have just as much power and creativity as articulate words in the Spirit. Amen? So we've got to be mindful of that. Notice it says, can't be uttered or can't be spoken, can't be articulated. Some of the most powerful things that my wife and I have seen, my wife and I have seen in ministry is when we prayed without words by the help of the Holy Spirit. We call it travail. Now look here, he says, when you do that, you're giving utterance to what the Holy Spirit knows. It says he he searches the heart and the Holy Spirit knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he's with us making intercession for whoever you're praying for. In this case, it'll be the person that you minister to in the prayer room. He'll begin to pray for that individual according to the will of God. How many of you know that having the will of God performed in our life is the most valuable and most important commodity we can have in life? Because I don't want my will, I want His will. Amen, yes. Hallelujah. And so you can be praying over that candidate with the help of the Holy Spirit, and you're creating an understanding to them of the will of God, but you're also getting them to follow the will of God as light comes to them. And that's very, very powerful. And then and only then is verse 28 coming to pass. Too many people take verse 28 out of its contents and they say, well, you know, a tragedy happens and they say, well, everything works together for good. No, it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, God can turn a bad situation around, but he didn't create that bad situation because it's his will. It's not. Look what it says. And then we know, after we've been interceding with the help of the Holy Spirit, that all things will be working together for good. Why? Because you just prayed the will of God into manifestation. Amen. So there you go. We've got to see our role not just in the prayer room. We've we become a, a caretaker almost or a nurse whatever adjective or term you want to use to help these people to get established in the place that God has for them. Amen? And enjoying the blessings of God. And so praying for them with the help of the Holy Spirit is very valuable and necessary. So number two, well, actually, we're going to go to uh, number three. 
I can't even follow my own notes. Is number three next, the, the third item of being qualified for ministry? Number three, the candidate needs to have an ability to follow the Holy Ghost. Now, a lot of things that we're doing here is that we're creating a, an outline, a, a do list, uh, steps to follow, but the answer to a thousand and one questions is be led by the Spirit of God. Especially in ministry, because you, you have a limited understanding or a limited knowledge of the person that you're ministering to. Very you're, you're seeing a very small snapshot of their life. And so you need the help of the Holy Spirit that knows every cell in their body, knows everything about them, and knows exactly what they need and also how to present it to them so they can receive it. So we need to develop a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. All right? And so we'll look at three ways to develop sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. You're always going to get lists and numbers with me. Number one, you've got to be, being led by the Spirit of God begins by having the knowledge of the Word and how He's going to lead you. Does that make sense? Look down here in Romans 8, 14. We're right back to Romans 8. Very awesome chapter of Scripture in the New Testament. Reading from the King James, I assume, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Remember, I told you a couple of times that the King James, many times, will say things in reverse order. And that's because we put our verb and we put our nouns in a different place than they do in the Aramaic or the Greek. So in translating it, they got things before they were supposed to. And so here it says that we're led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. You, you should really reverse that verse and say that the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. That makes so much more sense to me anyway. See, as a child of God, being born into God's kingdom, we currently have within us God the Holy Spirit. We're now his dwelling place. And he lives inside of every one of us in a measure. One of his responsibilities is to guide us, to lead us. And so we can begin putting faith in this verse of scripture and we can say that because I am a son of God, I am led by the spirit of God. Bring it into the now. Well, I, I can't say it that way because I'm not being led by the Spirit. Well, you got to call those things that be not as though they were. If you keep pushing it off to the future, you're never going to enjoy it. Someday I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. No, you aren't. You won't be because that's not faith. Faith believes that we have it now. And so you need to constantly tell yourself, I am led by the Spirit of God, especially in those moments that you have no clue what to do. 
The part of you that doesn't have a clue is your intellect. Your spirit already knows. But you got to send a memo to your mind. We already know number one is because God made us perfect and we're like him. And number two, the God who knows everything lives inside of us. Right? It's like, it's like punching down a water well. I'm talking about the old-fashioned type. You know, they, they would dig a well, and then when they hit water, you know, they would then, that water then would rise up to the water, top of the water table, and then you would go up above ground, and you'd build some kind of a mechanism to be able to draw the water out of the well. Remember the old westerns, you know, they would roll the rope down with a bucket on the end of it. I don't know how they got the bucket to get water in it because you'd think it would float. But I'm sure Peter could tell me how they did that after the service. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, they would fill the bucket up with water and they would draw it out. The Bible says that wisdom is in a man. And with understanding, he will draw it out. See, anytime we come up against I don't know, and that's every day, correct? Yes. I don't know. We should immediately say, I'm led by the Spirit of God. Yes. And I do know. Amen. I do know. We really need to stop saying that phrase, I don't know. Amen. Because it's a lie. You do know. Yes. That's like me going out to the well and say, I don't have water. Yeah, you do. Draw it out. I said, draw it out. It's going to take a little effort to draw that pail of water out, right? Yeah. But it sure is good when you get it to the top where you can take a drink of it. Amen? I just saw a snapshot of Bonanza that used to drink out of that all the time. <laughs> so you've got to begin having confidence that you recognize the leadings of the Lord. And there are times that we just need to step out. And then you can learn by experience how to be led by the, the Spirit of God. So being led by the Spirit begins with the knowledge of the Word and putting faith into that Word, speaking it forth, creating that ability to recognize the Holy Spirit and then it tells us how he's going to lead us. Now, this, this, this word right here will really help us. Being mindful of where God is will help us as to where we're to look for his leadings. Many people are looking out here in the world for God to lead them. Well, if this happens, then that means I need to do this. Or if this doesn't happen, that means I need to do that. Well, now you're allowing that place where the devil has access to lead you. And, and you're no better than Gideon, who put out a fleece. Well, if the fleece is wet that, you know, in, in, in the morning, then the, God, the Lord's saying this, and if it's dry, it's, you know, he wants me to do that. That's back when God didn't live in man. That's old covenant. 
So we don't look out here for leadings. And we're all prone to do it. Well, this just happened. That means something. I need to do, you know. No, no, no. If you need to do something, you don't look out there. You look in here. This is where the Holy Spirit leads. Remember, the children of God are led by the Holy Spirit. Well, where is the Holy Spirit? He's in us. And so you and I need to start listening on the inside. Right? Look at verse 16. It says that the Spirit himself does what? He bears witness or he communicates spiritually with your spirit. Well, where is your spirit? It's on the inside of you. So that witness is going to be on the inside of us. This is why we should always continue to develop an inside-minded minded consciousness. You love from the inside out. Everything that you do, I believe, from the inside out. Everything that we're to do is always to be, be emanating or originating from the inside and then comes out to the outside. Work out your salvation. That's what that verse of scripture means. That which is now perfect on the inside, get it to come on to the outside so that you can enjoy it. And enjoy its benefits. Amen? So leadings will always come from within. And I'm not talking about a feeling, although sometimes feelings will accompany a leading. But it's an inward knowing. It's an inner perception. It is the voice of your conscience. Conscience. I mean, have you ever done something and you just felt bad about it? Your conscience hurt you? Well, that was your inner man talking to you. That's why we need to keep our conscience very tender. Don't harden it. Don't ignore it. Don't say, well, I don't care. About, I don't care. They did this. Don't start justifying feeling that way. Well, they did this, and that's why I did that. Rah, 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 rah. Well, you'll start hardening, hardening your conscience, and then you won't be able to be led by it because you've seared it with, with a hot iron, is what the Bible says. <clears throat> and you lose sensitivity to it. So we keep it tender. So... The Spirit Himself, as He leads us, <coughs> excuse me, is that He'll communicate, He'll bear witness with our spirit. And notice the most important thing that He bears witness with us initially is that we are the children of God. Your assurance of your salvation is based on an inner knowing inside of you that gives you a peace and a well-being that you're on your way to heaven even though you've never seen it. Amen. 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 Yes. Also, being filled with the Holy Spirit and <clears throat> enjoying that benefit of being able to speak words by the Holy Spirit will 
increase our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's leadings. It is fascinating to hear testimonies of individuals that have done great things in the body of Christ, and then you find out that in their privacy, in their private time with the Lord, they spend a lot of time speaking in other tongues. Now, I just heard, well, actually what happened is I went to a Bible uh, prayer conference down in, in, in Tulsa, down at Mark Brzee's church. This was back in 2018. And I fell across the, the notes to that meeting. And it was a prayer conference, so they were, one of the subject matters that they were talking about was speaking with other tongues, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And he put out a, 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 a factoid about John G. Lake and how powerful that man of God was. And come to find out that John G. Lake prayed in the Holy Ghost a lot in his personal time. Prayed in the Holy Ghost a lot. And in his ministry... Because he walked in so much power, because he was so edified and anointed by praying in other tongues, he had over 100,000 documented miracles happen through his ministry. 100,000. Uh, that got my attention. I mean, I was sharing recently about Billy Miller and how he, we've known Billy for over 20 years. Well, we graduated from Raymond the same year, 1983. And uh, he, every time he's come to BFC, he's walked in the gifts of the Spirit. Whether they be the utterance gifts, the revelation gifts, or the power gifts. Sometimes all three in one service. And he's, it's no secret, he just prays in tongues a lot. You'll be sitting across from him at the table, you know, enjoying a lunch or a dinner, and he's muttering under his breath in other tongues. And I'm thinking, you know I'm across the table from you, right? You're, you are listening to what I'm saying, right? He's just praying in other tongues. He'll do that all day long. I think that's why he enjoys driving to churches because he can pray the whole time so note to self the key to power is being full of the word and being filled with the spirit hallelujah so look over here in Ephesians 5.19 you've got that in front of you reading from my current favorite translation the uh, CSB the Christian Standard Bible H stands for Holman Okay, Ephesians 5.19, it says, Don't be foolish. How can I not be foolish? Well, you, you become a non-foolish person when you know the will of the Lord. Well, what is the will of the Lord? Don't get drunk with wine. The key word there is drunk. Because that's when you lose control 
over your guidelines, your morality, your senses, your, your common sense. It's amazing how many people make a mistake on prom night. It all starts with getting out of their mind through intoxication. That will lead to reckless acts. Well, in contrast to that, don't be filled with that which is of the world. Be filled with that which is of heaven. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do I do that? Verse 19. By speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody from your heart to the Lord. Now, when you and I take time to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit, when he's manifesting himself by giving us words, you are actually developing your relationship with him. You're having faith in him to what? Give you words. And those words that you're speaking for personal edification, you're going to start being perceptive to some of the things that he's saying. Now you're learning his voice. And it's, we really shouldn't say voice because it, automatically we think about hearing sounds with our outer ears. No, remember, his voice is inward. Again, it's a knowing, it's a perception, it's a, it's a consciousness, yes. an awareness. And then that comes up and brings illumination to your mind, and it begins to connect the dots that you can see it in the natural realm from there. Amen. Amen. And also, number three, we're talking about the three ways to develop sensitivity. The third way is have experiences with the Holy Spirit. Now, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that you do this, but I'm not suggesting that you don't do this. <laughs> there was a time where in the town of Thornton, there was a grocery store, and I think it was a chain from Europe. I think it was called Biggs, and it was a huge grocery store. It was kind of like a warehouse store, but it had aisles like a normal a grocery store. It was, it was, we would go down there just because it was so big. It was fun. And so it was, it's real easy to get separated in that large store. And because my wife and I are different in many ways, the same amount of ways that we're the same, she wants to go in one place of the store, I want to go in another. And so I found myself completely separated from her. And I think this was before we had cell phones. That's kind of dating myself. And so I had no clue where the Italian princess was. I, and, and she's now spending our money. So I needed to find her. I might have to, I might have to reel her in a little bit. And so I stopped in the aisleway. And these weren't my exact words. I don't remember what my exact words were, but it was something like this. Holy Spirit, you're in me. The Bible says that you will lead me. And right now, you know exactly where my wife is. Because you're God, right? 
I want you to show me in my heart which way to go. Now, at first, the first response to that was mental. And you and I need to be prepared for this. Anytime you have an encounter with the Word of God, anytime that you have a, you're faced with a challenge and a decision to make, anytime that you're attempting to be led by the Spirit of God, your first response will be mental. Always. Mental or emotionally. And you and I have to go, no, 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 that's, that's not the Holy Spirit. So my mind started to think, well, she said she wanted to get this and she wanted to get that, so she's probably over in those departments. And my heart goes, no, no, that's mental. And so I had to begin kind of sensing his leadings, like I would come up to the end of a row and I had to make a right or I had to make a left. Which way do I go? And I start going in one direction. It just didn't seem right. No, 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 that doesn't seem right. From, from the inside, I was getting these perceptions. Well, I kept following what I believe was the Lord's leadings to me. At the same time, my mind was going, no, 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 no. That, it's not, she's not over here. She's not, you, know, you know how your mind likes to get uppity? Your mind, my mind, thinks it knows it all and it doesn't it's so limited compared to the Holy Spirit inside but within a certain amount of minutes as I continued experimenting with the Holy Spirit leading me to my wife now remember this isn't a life and death decision this isn't a decision like should I marry this woman or not kind of decision it wasn't that big of a decision right I'm just trying to find my wife but I'm also learning how to be led by the Spirit of God. And if I make a mistake, I just do some extra walking in the store. Yeah, I'm pumping it up. And within a certain amount of minutes, I was in a part, a place in the store that mentally, intellectually made no sense that she would be there. And there she was. Yeah, right. Or the sporting equipment. <laughs> or, or oil for the car. Yeah, I, I can't remember what department it was. But it was supernatural how the Holy Spirit got me there. And you and I need to begin practicing that. Have you ever pull, pulled into a parking lot? And Holy Spirit, which aisle do I need to go down for my parking spot? Start. Now this, I know it sounds silly. But start asking him questions about things in life that don't really matter that much. And then get the results of it. And what did you experience to get to that result? And you'll start separating from your mind and your spirit. Amen? So experience sometimes is the best teacher in being led by the Spirit of God. Let's look at Acts 27, 21. What happens to time when we get in this place? 
I told myself, I guess I wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit, I told myself, we're, we're, we're going to get this all done tonight. This is going to be great, and then we can go on to the next part. Guess what, kids? It may not happen. Acts 27, 21, and... Uh, looks like we're going to talk about this for a little bit it's difficult to be led by the spirit when you're money conscious oh come on that's so true some of the biggest mistakes i've made is i made the decision based on the consideration of how much it costs when we built this facility Every contractor that I picked was the lowball bid. And it didn't bid us, it bit us in the butt. There was some shoddy work done in this place, and it was my fault. And so you can't let the cost of something lead you. Now, it may end up that the low, the low bid or the low price is the one you're supposed to have. That's true. But if, if you're going to let your mind make that decision, but it, oh, this other one costs so much more. Well, that comes down to, well, whether you believe that God can get the money to you. And so we have to be very careful <clears throat> that we let natural things begin influencing our decision-making. Yes. And it makes it very difficult for us to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, here's the Apostle Paul. Now, listen to me. There are those theologians that have critiqued the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And they said there's no way he was in the perfect will of God because he faced so much calamity in his ministry. Amen. And you can read the list. It's either in 1st or 2nd Corinthians. I mean... He, he had to be raised from the dead one or two times. One time he was stoned and someone raised him from the dead. He was, he was spent a night in the sea because of a shipwreck three times. He was whipped. He was beat. He was persecuted. He got bit by a snake. Remember that? He was carrying wood to the fire and a viper bit him. And the theologian says, there's just no way the Apostle Paul was in the perfect will of God because he had so much calamity in his life and ministry. Well, doesn't the Bible say that you're going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake? Yes. <laughs> well, he was thrown into jail. He was in prison for, I think it was three years. That couldn't have been the will of God. But did you hear the prophecy, the words spoken over him? When he went into ministry, it said that he would be put before the, the leaders of nations. Yes. 
Well, guess how he got there? By being arrested and thrown in jail. There was one time that, that he was planning on going to a missionary journey in this direction. And then that night, he had a dream, or could we call it a, a night vision? And someone from Macedonia said, come to us. And so he already had plans of going this way. And then he interpreted the dream to be the Holy Spirit speaking to him. Not every dream or encounter or something that seems supernatural or spectacular is the Lord. You still have to judge it. And he judged that dream, and, and, and he got that velvety good feeling on the inside, a spiritual good feeling, and he went to Macedonia and had revival. Amen. So now he's on a boat. That was probably the, the main way to travel distances was by boat. And he warned the captain of the ship that, that we, we need to pull this bad boy over and, and dock this thing because there's calamity coming. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. And they didn't, uh, they didn't listen to him. And then they got into a big storm. And what a lot of ships would do back in this era is that when they got in a bad way and they didn't want to sink, they would throw all the cargo off the ship to lighten and to add the buoyancy to the, to the ship. Well, guess what? They threw all the food over too. <laughs> Oops. So here in verse 21, Acts 27, it says that since many days were going without food, because now the fish are eating the food, Paul stood up and he said this, and this is not something they wanted to hear. You men should have followed my advice. What advice did he give them? The Holy Spirit told them that they were in, going into a storm before the storm happened. That's being led by the Spirit of God. That you should not sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Now, I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives. How could he know that? How could he know that? By the Holy Spirit. But guess what? You're going to lose this ship. For this night, an angel of God was brought to me and to serve stood by me. And the angel said, you know, angels are also messengers, right? Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Isn't that interesting? Even in the midst of this calamity, he was on course to fulfill the will of God for his life. And look, God has graciously given all those who are sailing with you. How many of you know that Paul 
prayed for the lives of every one of those sailors. Even the captain that told them to go when he knew they shouldn't. Therefore, take courage, because I believe God that it will be just the way he told it to me. Now, understand that the inward witness is how he normally leads us, but there will be times that we will get supernatural leadings, some would call spectacular, and we'll have visitations, we'll have visions. Words will be spoken that will help to, to lead and guide us. They still need to be judged by the inward witness. Just because something spectacular happens doesn't mean it's God. Don't be that flaky, you know, that flaky, I call them granola bar, Christian. They got a lot of nuts, you know. And, and, and they're always looking for something spectacular to lead them. Well, you'll find if you, you look at what they go through in life, you'll, you'll see they, they couldn't possibly be led by the Spirit of God. They're, they're letting something outwardly lead them. Yeah. And Paul didn't do that. He judged it. He knew it was God. And then he believed it. He released faith in what was said. And that solidified that no life was harmed, including his own. So Paul ministered to the men of the ship by the Holy Ghost. How many of you know that everyone on that boat was fearing for their life? And he brought them a word to comfort them and to give them peace. And it was his relationship with the Holy Spirit many times before that helped him to recognize it this time. Many times he had interacted with the Holy Spirit and that's why he had a boldness to speak up this time to bring comfort and peace to those. You know, sometimes there's just no substitution for experience. You, you know, there, there's some things that you and I get because it's been taught. Other things have to be caught. What do you mean caught? You just have to experience it. That's how travail is. You can't really teach a woman, in retrospect, it's kind of hilarious. Well, not too funny for, for me. Well, not too funny for my wife, but funny for me. We, we went, back in the day, they used to have what they called Lamaze classes. And these were breathing techniques and our teacher told us so that you would not have pain in childbirth. We found out later that that was a lie. <laughs> it does. The techniques do work. But anyway, she, she did her best. She did her best to teach those young ladies what it's going to be like to give birth to a child. How many of you know that until they experienced childbirth, they didn't know nothing? Come on. Amen? So there's some things, it's like you trying to learn how to drive a car just by reading the Colorado's driver's manual. 
No, you get out. You got to get out there, baby, and get your hand around the wheel. Figure out where the gas pedal is and the brake pedal is. Back in the day, in the '55 Chevy, I learned how to drive in. It had a free on the tree, so I had to get. I had to have one hand on the steering wheel, one hand on the shifter, one foot on the gas, and the other foot on both the clutch and the brake. How I many you know that no book was going to teach me how to do that? Come on, amen. You got experience. And being led by the Holy Spirit is that way. And don't wait for something big to happen where you really need to hear his voice. Try to find a parking spot by the Spirit of God. When things that you don't know that really aren't that vital and that important to you, ask the Holy Spirit, where is it or how do I find that? It was like today, I'm looking for my glasses. And normally I say, normally I say, Lord, you know where they are. Thank you for showing me. And my mind is going, and then all of a sudden I had this nudge and I looked in the mirror. They were right up here. (laughs) They were right there but when my mind was reeling about okay where did you leave it where were you last where did you go in the last five minutes Holy Spirit had me go like this and look in the mirror some of the greatest leadings that, that I've ever received have been just subconscious motions that put me where it was Remember, my first response is mental. I got to get out of that mental place and get down here. You know, the harder a person tries to be led by the Spirit, the further away they become in being led. We've got to get our mind in neutral, and we have to start being sensitive down here. My father in the faith, Kenneth E. Hagan, never used a road map. Never used an alarm clock. He said, Holy Spirit, wake me up at 6 o'clock in the morning. He was dependent on the voice of the Holy Spirit to wake him up. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll go, what time is it? And I'll get a number. I'll look at the clock. Same number. He would go into a town where the church he was going that he'd never been to before to go to preach. He let the Holy Spirit go right here, left here, and go right to the front door of the church, being led by the Spirit. You and I need to start practicing and experiencing the Holy Spirit. It's going to pay great dividends. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for allowing us to see how vital and how important it is to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I believe that the most powerful and and most effective ministers are those who are just following the word by the Holy Spirit. That they have a word in due season. That they have insight, understanding, 
and they can touch areas that their mind would never know about if the Holy Spirit didn't direct that. Lord, help us to get hungry and desirous for a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about something weird or wacky. I'm talking about us communicating with him and him communicating back on the inside, on the inside, on the inside, on the inside. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, mark where we are. And uh, we will next time, I guess that'll be in two weeks. Uh, we'll get there. Amen? Amen. Thanks for coming. God bless everybody. We'll see you. I want you to all go over to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to begin tonight in verse 3. We, we're in the midst of a series. There's just no way that you can tackle a subject matter in one service. And really, we're just hitting the high spots, even though we're doing three services on this subject. We've been talking about speaking words of power. Yes. Speaking words of power. And we have defined what it means to speak words that create they are spoken words that release heavenly power to create. And that's how God's will is created in the believer's life. It's by you and I speaking words of power. Too many church-going folks, good folks, sincere folks, saved folks, think God's just doing everything for them. And they just have to sit like uh, underneath a cherry tree and just open their mouth every once in a while and a cherry will drop in their mouth. But that's not how the kingdom of God works. You've got to receive it yourself. He's given it, yes, but there has to be a receiver. Now, we're going to see words of power here in Hebrews 11.3. And the world, or could I say the universe, as some translations say, were created by God speaking a single word of power, actually two. But look at this. It says that by faith, and this is the mechanism in which we speak words of power, we understand that the universe, now King James says the worlds, plural, they were created by the word of God. So understand that words of power will always be encompassed into the, with the Word of God. Did you see that? And I'm talking about creating God's will. I'm not talking about the opposite of that. I mean, you just speaking contrary to God will create the opposite of what God has for you. Amen? But words of power that we're speaking to create God's will will have the Word of God. Because the word of God is a seed, it contains the life to reproduce itself. He says that the universe was created by the word of God so that that which is seen, not, was made out of those things which are visible. And so the entire universe was created by God speaking light be. 
And I, I want us to embrace this. When we begin hearing principles of God, sometimes we don't put ourselves in the same position that the people who are demonstrating words of power to us are in. We say, well, that was God, you know, he just spoke and, and light was. But you've got to understand that he was looking at darkness. He was looking at that which was void of any life. That's why it was dark. And that darkness was screaming at him. You can't change. You can't change that which is dark. Trying to get God to walk by what he could see. And you understand that when he spoke light be, he had to speak exactly the opposite of what he saw, exactly opposite of what he was experiencing, and the logic that was coming to him in what he was seeing. And you and I have to get used to speaking contrary to what our senses, and most importantly, what our feelings are endeavoring to dictate to us. See, he spoke a word of power, light, be. That word be is talking about be created, exist, now. And darkness, and that which was void of light, had to bow its knee to his creative power that he spoke from his heart to that which was contrary to what he was saying. Yes. Amen. Amen. And you and I have to get to that place that we become comfortable in saying, I don't have pain when our body is telling us we have pain. Yeah, come on. Yeah. That's right. We got to get used to doing that. Amen. And deny the right of what we're experiencing that contradicts what God has provided for us and speak to it. Surely he hath bore our griefs, sicknesses, and carried our sorrows. That word, that Hebrew word that's translated as sorrows means pains. He took it on the cross. Yes. Amen? So why should I bear it? Hallelujah. Well, we're kind of taking a side journey there, aren't we? <laughs> so all that you and I are experiencing in this scene realm, that which is physical was created from the realm that can't be seen, the spiritual realm, with words of power. Yeah. Now, let me say this boldly and loud and clear. Every believer can and should be speaking words of power in their life. Many circumstances in the Christian's life are unchallenged. It's an enemy taking ground in which the ground is not defended. Amen. Hallelujah. And so every one of us can speak words of power that will create God's will in our life. Now, there's just two simple steps. God made it that way because he has to deal with people like me. There's just two simple steps to speak words that create God's will. Just two steps. I can do two steps. Can you do two steps? Can you do the two-step? <laughs> I mean, can you? <laughs> Amen. Here's step number one. You already know the answer to this. 
Sow the word of God in your heart. Sow. Sow. S-O-W. That's because God's word is a seed. Amen. Hallelujah. Step number one, get the word of God in your heart. No farmer expects a harvest in his field in which he hasn't sown seed into it, yet we Christians are expecting God to do this, do that, and we got no seed in the ground. And we're wondering, why aren't you doing anything, God? And he's going, well, <laughs> there are laws that operate my kingdom in which you live. <laughs> And one of the spiritual laws of this kingdom is you have to sow a spiritual seed to get a harvest. Start thinking like a farmer. And I know that's difficult for many of us because that, that trade of being a farmer is becoming less and less in the world, or at least in America, let's say it that way. And uh, understand that if you have a need in your life, the first thing that you and I should think about what seed from the Word of God do I need to create the harvest that I have a desire for? See, Christians have been, have been brainwashed thinking that all you have to do is pray and God will respond. <laughs> now, I'm not belittling prayer, but you've got to pray correctly. And praying correctly begins with having a word seed. Amen. Remember, it's the word that has the power within itself to create what you need. So get the correct seed. Hallelujah. Now, so sow the word. So you've got to get the word in you, in that spiritual place from where you can release it. Now, Romans 10, 17 says that faith and Understand that faith is, synonymous, is, is the same as the Word of God. Because it says here that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You can't have faith without the Word, and you can't have the Word without having faith. So sometimes in Scripture, you'll get a, a better meaning from the Word is if you'll substitute the word faith for the Word of God. Did you get that? Substitute the word faith for the word of God. So faith in Romans 10, 17 comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So understand that when you hear God's word with your natural outer ears, you also have to hear it with your inner ears. Your spirit has ears, your spirit has eyes. Remember, he says, he says, he says, don't look at things which are seen, but look at things which are unseen. You can't see unseen things with your outer eyes. You can only see it with your inner eyes, with your spirit. And that's why when we read the Bible, we need to see it and hear it with our spirit and not necessarily with our mind. So the word of God is sown in our hearts by hearing the word of God. So we're discussing step number one. You've got to get the word of God in your heart. Go to Luke chapter 8, verse 11. 
This is where we ended up last week. Luke 8, 11. And this is the parable of the sower. I normally use Mark chapter 4, but somehow the Lord said, come on over here to Luke. Luke 8, 11. Now the parable is this. So he's explaining the parable of the sower to his disciples. He said the seed is what? The word of God. All through scripture, you'll see continuity. It'll refer to the word with certain or, or different natural things that we can relate to. Like, it'll tell us that the word of God is a sword. It'll tell us that the word of God here is a seed. And when you start to understand a sword and what it does, and you understand what a seed does, you begin getting a natural word picture of that which you can't see with your physical eyes. And you start seeing that with your spirit. And he says that the seed is the word of God. Remember, we defined a seed is that which has the power to reproduce itself. So I have to find the particular word seed that will pr produce that same thing in my life. If I, if I want to be born again, if I need salvation, I don't go to healing scriptures. Amen. If there's a weakness or an area in your life that you're unsatisfied with, you, number one, first have to get the word of God sown into your heart. And that's a process. I wish I could tell you it's, you know, just do it and it's done. It, it's a process because the word has to work its way through this filter of our mind. Amen. 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 Get down to that place where you believe it. And then he begins to talk about different ground types. Now, don't get thrown off with this parable saying, oh, I'm a stony heart. Oh, bummer. No, we choose what heart we have. Amen. Come on. We choose which heart we have. Yes, I, I had a stony ground heart in terms of hearing scriptures about salvation before I was saved. But I changed it. Amen. I choose my heart. Because the soil type has to do with believing or not believing. Or only believing for a short amount of time. The good heart is the one that believes and hangs in there until the harvest manifests. That's the only difference between these soil types. Each soil type is hearing the word. But they get caught up up here. In the mind. And we're not responding to that word from down here in the heart. Here we go. So... This is what I want us to see. Verse 12. Those by the wayside, and that's a soil type that this individual, this example, chose to be. They hear, but then comes our enemy. Who's our enemy? The devil, Satan, Lucifer, the thief, the deceiver, the accuser of the brethren. He comes and takes away the word out of the hearts. Now understand that he can't do that according to his will. He has to confuse us so we willingly give it up. Yes. Come on. See, the devil's not the hot rod. He keeps telling you that he is. Come on. 
He's, he's, he's toothless. Jesus pulled all his teeth. He pulled his authority, took it away from him. And now he is limited. If he had any power at all, he wouldn't have to use deception. He'd just come run you over. But he can't. He has to get you to act against yourself through deception. Hallelujah. That's why we renew our mind. That's why we come to church. And that's why so many people have trouble out there who are Christians, but they don't have a regular supply of hearing the word of God. So it says here that he taketh away the, uh, the word out of their hearts, or if it had stayed there, they would have activated that word and they would have been saved. So notice it says that the word of God is the seed. Amen. Where is it sown? in their heart how does it get in their heart by hearing and remember we said this last time the voice your heart needs to hear speaking the word is you amen come on you're speaking the, you're you're listening to me speaking the word of god tonight so you're getting information but that doesn't necessarily that necessarily mean you're getting revelation Revelation comes when you hear the word with your voice and you begin to say, yes, that's mine. Yes, I believe that. And you ignore your mind saying, well, how can that be? How can that be? It doesn't matter how it could be. I just believe it's mine. I believe it's true. I believe it's real. <laughs> Amen. The more you and I learn how to bypass our mind, the better off life gets. So it's sown... In our heart, that's the ground in which the word is able to grow and produce the will of God by hearing. Now get this. Once the word seed is in our heart, it has the potential. It has the potential. It has the potential to create the will of God in our life. It's not automatic. That's why there's two steps and not one. The first step is to get the word in our heart. Then there's the next step that's going to activate that word and create the will of God. Now go on over here to Luke chapter 5. You were in chapter 8, is that correct? Yes. Now you just go back a couple pages to Luke 5. So hearing the word of God is the first step. If you don't take the first step, it, you, nothing's going to happen when you take the second. That's when people are speaking words without power. Because the power source is the word of God. Remember, Amen. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is quick and powerful. Yes. And sharper than to any two-edged sword. Hallelujah. So here in Luke 5, check this out, verse 15. And there was so much more that went there of a fame abroad of him. And that's when great crowds or, or great multitudes began to listen to Jesus. And it says, and great multitudes came together to do what? Here. To do what? Hear. And then from hearing what happens and to be healed of their infirmities. You see, God wants, excuse me, most people want God to do something for us without us 
first hearing. Just do it, Lord. Come on. You're God. You can do anything. No, he can't. He can't override our will. He can't override our decision-making. Right? If he could, we'd all be saved and out of here. But that hasn't happened yet because it's up to us to choose him. Remember, God always responds to us, the individual, because he put within our being that power of choice. We call it a free will. Hallelujah. And again, we control that so we can change that. We're all working on being more and more willing to allow God. So notice that hearing is the first step to creating healing in a person's body. Hear and be healed. Hear and be healed. Hear and be healed. Amen? Now let's look at an example of this. Let's go to Acts chapter 14. I'll tell you, this first step takes the most time. Because once you have the potential to release power, that's, that's easy. That's easy. But you and I must take the time to get it in our heart. When you ever ask God, why aren't you doing this in my life? You should start thinking this way. What seed do I need? And then work on getting it in my heart. Amen. And don't let your mind, you know, say, well, you know that. Well, I'm not trying to know it. That's not my objective. I'm not trying to know the scripture. I'm trying to believe the scripture. Amen. Amen. Right? Yes. Knowing a scripture is your mind at work. Believing the scripture is your heart at work. And you want to get to a place to believing it. Yes. Now, check this out. This is talking about the Apostle Paul, Acts 14, 7. And there, in this city in which he had come to, he preached the gospel. Now, simply put, the gospel is Jesus saves, Jesus heals, and Jesus delivers. That's the simplicity of the gospel. So when he's preaching the gospel, he's telling everybody in the audience that Jesus has saved you, Jesus has healed you, Jesus has delivered you. Amen. You just have to receive it. Okay? Now, so here he is preaching the word of God, so he's throwing seed out into the audience. That's what preaching is. That's what teaching is. It's the word seed being thrown out into the air. And if people will believe it, it gets sown into their heart. Amen. Amen. Yes. That's why we need to continually be under the sound of his voice, under the sound of the voice of his word. Okay? And so here in verse 8, there sat a certain man. Again, when you see certain in King James, it means it's a real individual. You'll meet this guy in heaven. So he's preaching in Lystra, and this man was impotent. He was crippled in his feet, and he had been in this condition from his mother's womb. 
who had never walked. So obviously he has to be carried everywhere he goes. And he was carried to this meeting. Again, this is a depiction of you and I inviting people to church. This guy is crippled. He couldn't come to the meeting on his own. And those out there in the world are crippled in their spirit, and they are not going to come. They need someone to carry them. They need somebody to carry them to church, whatever that means for that individual. The same, verse 9, the same. This is the crippled man. He did what? He heard... Paul speak. What did he hear Paul speak? Huh? The gospel, the word. Amen. So what's the potential there? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. So the same heard Paul speak and then he steadfastly beholded him. So Paul, the Holy Spirit showed this man, drew attention to this man, and he began to look at this man, and it says, and he perceived. That's something we do with our spirit. He perceived that this crippled man had faith to what? To be healed. So what has happened in these three verses? This crippled man came under the sound of God's word, the word seed. He heard it, and then he believed it because it, he, he has faith. You can't have faith without having the word in your heart. So... The word was preached. The word of healing, right? The gospel, saved, healed, delivered. The gospel, which contains that word of healing, was sown in his heart. So he then had potential to be healed. We've got to get that. He had the potential the, the, the word seed is in the soil of his heart and that potential for it to be germinated is now available to this man. So the potential for his miracle is now available to him. But as of verse 9, guess what? He's not healed. Now here's a sad truth. There's many of us Christians that have the Word of God in our heart and have the potential for that Word seed to reproduce itself and create God's will in our life, yet it remains dormant because we don't know how to release the power of that Word seed. Remember I told you that the Lord spoke to my heart years ago and said, how many word seeds do you think you have in your heart that have yet to bear and to create the will of God in your life? 
You know, the Lord isn't always throwing flowers at us when he talks to us. You know, you know what I'm saying? Amen. He, he does correct. He does reprimand. Hallelujah. Thank goodness. That means he loves us. For whom the Lord loves, he does what? He corrects. Boy, does he love me. Man, I must be his favorite. Because he's always pointing things out I need to correct. Amen? So I wanted you to see this. This man has now taken the first step. But he still doesn't have his miracle. As of verse 9. He's got faith to be healed, but he's not healed. Hallelujah. So how do I release the potential, the power? How do I release the power of the word seed in my heart to create? How do I do that? All right, go on over to Romans chapter 10, verse 8. You realize that every time we come together, it is my plan to finish. You know that, right? But I committed my tongue to the Lord before I got up here. And so I'm doing my best and, and earnestly seeking to say all that he wants me to say at this moment in time. So we can't put a stopwatch on it, can we? Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Now you're going to see three times in the next three verses, 8, 9, and 10, that'll talk about the Word of God being in two places. And those two places are the two steps to release creative power or words of power to create God's, to create God's will in our life. All right? So we know number one has to do with the heart. The Word of God has to get, get into our heart. And that's one of the words that is repeated three times. Verse 8. Now remember what I said to you. Which time? Uh, the time? The time that I said that many times the King James says things in reverse. Now, it was said correctly in the original tongue. But through interpretation and translation, it gets reversed. All right? So thus is the case for verse 8, and such is the case for verse 9, but they get it right in verse 10. <laughs> Hallelujah. They just, you know, try, try it again, and they finally got it. It's like the, the little engine that could finally got over the hill. Notice verse 9, excuse me, verse 8. It says, what saith it? The word, and that's talking about the Bible, is where? Near you. Now, it's going to say it in reverse. It should say, in your heart and in your mouth. The heart is always first, because that's the ground. And that's where the word is sown. Do you see that? So it should say, even in your heart, and in your mouth. So those are the two locations that the Word of God must be to create the will of God in our life, to speak words of power. Yes. Now, notice 
Remember we talked about continuity with the Word of God, agreement with the Word of God. Notice it calls the Word of God, the Bible, the Word of Faith. The Word of Faith. That's like saying the water is wet. It's water and one of its characteristics is wetness. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's a word or not, but you, you get what I'm saying? So when you get the word, you get the characteristic of the word, a byproduct, the fruit of the word is faith. And that's why those words are synonymous. Is that, did I pronounce that right? Anybody know how to say that? See, if God can use someone like me, he can, well, use a donkey. I mean, that's good enough for me, right? He can use somebody at any level. So here, that's why the word and faith agree. Oh, I wish I had faith. Get the word. I feel like my faith is weak. Get the word. Because that's a byproduct. The word births faith in our heart. Amen? So it's the word of faith. You can't have faith without the word. You can't have the word without faith. Right? How can I know when I'm in faith when I pray? Well, is the word involved in your prayer? Well, no, I just asked for my desire. Well, you need, a, you need faith. So you have to have the word. Amen? Amen? Doesn't this answer a lot of questions why a lot of our prayers didn't get answered? They were sincere. They, they were something that we desired or needed or wanted in the prayer. But did you have that which could create the will of God in your life? Did you have the word? If he abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. We could read that scripture this way. If you abide in me and faith abides in your heart, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. When I put faith in there, it's like saying the word. Amen. Amen. But it changes how we can look at that verse, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. I'm asking in faith. I'm asking according to the word. Hallelujah. So here we go. So notice that the word of God is two places. It's in the heart and in the mouth. It's in the heart and it's in the mouth. These are the two places the word of God must be to create the will of God in our life. Now go to the next verse. This is Romans 10, 9. This is in terms of creating salvation in our life. This is how uh, salvation, which is already purchased, this is how we receive it and birth it and create it in our life through a word of power. Yes. Notice it says, and again, it's reversed, so we'll read it this way, that if you shall believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... You shall be saved. 
Now notice, number one, the word has to be where? In your heart. That means that you believe. That's what that word heart and believe mean. They're both talking about the same part that's believing and trusting in God. All right? So in order to be saved, you have to believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. When you believe that, now that word seed is now in the soil of your heart, and you currently, at that moment in time, you have the ability to be saved. Yes. Better said, you have the potential to create salvation. Come on. Remember, everything that we receive from God is a creation in us. It's a creation of the word seed. That's why you're a new creature or a new creation when you're saved because you just got birthed your healing gets birthed from the heavenly realm into the natural realm being your body begin to look at it that way and that helps us to see that we need the seed to create the birthing that's what germination is it's the it's the it's the birthing of the creativity of the seed to create itself again all right, so what did I do to be saved? What did I believe to create salvation? That God raised Jesus from the dead. That's why it's so vital and so important that the church preaches the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because you can't be saved without believing it. Because our salvation is encompassed and is a part and was made available to us through and by the resurrection of Jesus. Because his resurrection is what paid the price for our salvation, but also at the same time defeated our enemy who was withholding it from us. And that's why we have to believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead. But just believing that and having that in our heart doesn't create salvation. Because that's only one step. You're only believing in your heart. That's why you have to confess Jesus as your Lord to birth that seed and bring your faith from a dormant state to an active, creative state. Amen. The same thing was going on with the crippled, remember? He had faith to be healed, but he yet was not healed. Why? He had to take step two. So step two is that the power of the word seed that's in our heart must be spoken. Actually, you're saying what you believe in your heart. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so in order to bring the, the creative power to that seed that's in us, we have to say what we believe that's in our heart. That's what, when God said, light be, he was just saying what he believed in his heart. And from his heart, the words that he spoke, it released that creative power that was already in him before he spoke. He released it, and it created. The same is true with our salvation. We believe in our heart 
about Jesus. We believe that he was the Son of God. We believe that he was God in flesh. We believe that he died for our sins. We believe that God raised him from the dead. And so when we confessed him as Lord, we were releasing what we believed, and it created our salvation. Salvation is received by speaking a word of power. I think we can all relate to that. So step number two, the power of the word seated in our heart must be spoken to release its creativity. So what did we say to create salvation? It says that we confessed with our mouth Lord Jesus or Jesus as Lord or Jesus is my Lord. They all mean that when you say Jesus is Lord or you call him Lord Jesus, you're declaring him as your Lord. Why would I go up to a person and call them Lord unless I believe they were Lord? There's no one else in the world that you've called Lord, I trust. Maybe in royalty circles, that may be true. But you, you, don't, you don't bow your knee to a man or a woman and worship them. Do you? No. So in calling him Lord is actually bowing your knee to him and putting yourself under him. And when you do that, you're saying what you believe about him, and it creates salvation in our heart. We'll see it over here in verse 10. And I don't have to change the order of this verse. This is exactly what happened when you and I received Jesus, verse 10. For with the heart. With what? The heart. Remember, the word's got to be where? In our heart and in our mouth. If you believe with your heart, you believe unto right standing with God. And with the mouth, what you say about what you believe creates salvation. The New King James says, and with the mouth, confession is made unto or is create, creates salvation. So saying what you believe in your heart about Jesus creates salvation in your life. Now get this. When an individual believes the word of God, that particular word seed is sown and now is resident in the soil of their heart. Now they have the potential to create that particular promise in their life. And when they confess what they believe, that second step takes place. And it's like you're saying, light be. You're speaking a word of power. You're creating salvation. Jesus is Lord. Boom. You spoke what you believe from your heart. Creative power is released. And you're born again. Hallelujah. Confessing what you believe from the word of God creates it in our life. Now you understand that the reciprocal is true as well. If I say the opposite of what God says in his word, 
I withhold the blessing from my life. That's why negative people have a tough time going in life because they're always speaking what they feel. They're always speaking what they feel and that gives it permission to remain in their life. But if we'll do what God did and we'll deny the right of what we're seeing, if we deny the right of what we're feeling, if we finally get tired of putting up with all this that's going on in our life and we dare to contradict it, we take the time to get the word in our heart and we begin believing that word is ours that Jesus has provided for us. And when we speak to that which is not, it will be. Amen. Yes. That's what God called calling those things that be not Amen. as though they were. That's what he did when he created life. He called that which he desired in the midst of that which was not and it became what he said. Amen. Yes. Woo! Now, write this statement down. Write this statement down. I wrote this down in my Bible close to 40, probably 40, 40 years ago. Faith's confession creates reality. Faith's Confession. That means saying what you believe according to the word of God does what? It creates reality. Amen. We can say the word's confession. Confessing the word creates reality. Remember, faith and the word are the same. Confessing the word creates reality. Now, there'll become a time where we can become so saturated with the word in our heart that you're only going to have to speak one time to something. Come on. And it's going to change. Yeah. I remember uh, my mom was um, being kept alive in the hospital for, for a period of time. And I went to... Uh, I went to pray for her and raise her up from what the doctors were saying was her deathbed. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that because my mom willed to go home. She was homesick. She wanted to see my father. Had been gone from her life for almost 40 years. And she, she was just weary. But in two weeks' time, I spent a lot of time just meditating and speaking the word of God. And I had the word of healing in my heart in a big way. And I remember coming home in the airplane and I don't know if it was the altitude of the flight, I don't know what it was, but I got this headache, this massive headache. I wouldn't call it a migraine, but it was, you know, it was very uncomfortable. And I just said out loud, headache, leave now. In Jesus' name. It was gone. It can get that way for you and I. I can get back to that place. You can get to that place. That we're just so saturated that when something con contradicts what we believe, we just speak and there it goes. Amen. We can do that to poverty. We can say that to worry. We can say that to fear. 
we can say it to any unwanted circumstance that's contradicting the word of God in our life. We can speak that creative word, that word that releases power, and it has to bow its knee to that word. Because it's as if God is speaking. Because you have his word. You're simply putting it in your heart, which brings his life, his creativity in you, and you're just releasing what God has already put in that word seed, and it comes to pass. Now, when you and I say what God says about us, God is then able to create that in our life. That is the fruit of speaking words of power. And understand that he can only do for you and I proportionate to what we believe and say concerning the promises that he's given us. Again, he puts the ball in our court. We can have as much of what he's given us as we want, right? We can have as much of it as we want. But we have to operate by the laws of the kingdom. We got to get the word where? We got to get it in our heart, and then we have to release it by, by speaking. Get it in your mouth. And understand, when you're speaking, you're believing that it's being created for you. Amen. Father, thank you tonight. I know that for some, this seems so simple. Well, isn't a seed simplistic, yet so complex in what it creates? It's just this little round thing in most cases. And yet this little round hard shell within it has the creativity and the power to produce itself. And that's how your word works. When we get it in our heart, then that seed that is creative in nature is now in soil. And when we release it, believing that what we're saying is coming to pass, its creativity is released, and it begins immediately in recreating itself in our own personal life. It's miraculous. But you know, we're just the receptacle. We're just the ground. And we're just releasing its power by what we say believing. Help us to, to see ourselves turning situations and circumstances around in our life by simply getting the word seed in our heart, and then releasing it with our mouth, believing that's being created for me. And as we just hold that position, believing it's being created for us, and continue to say, yeah, I have that, that it will come into a fullness. It'll be birthed where we'll be able to enjoy it in this seen realm. That which was unseen becomes a part of our physical, natural life. 
Lord, we, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone believe and said? Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for coming out tonight. You guys are awesome. Yes, we did finish. It is a Christmas miracle. We love you. See ya. Hello, and welcome to Birthed Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless.